This is the Men of Athens podcast, making the unknown God known to a very religious world. For more information, check out menofathens.com. Welcome to the Men of Athens podcast. I'm Thomas Lawson. I'm Dave Barry. Dave, good to see you again. It's good to see you too. Yeah, we've taken the last two weeks off, I want to say. Um, I was doing some traveling. We had a lot going on. So we're back in the swing of things with the MOA. Back in the studio. Back in the studio, which uh, coming live, recorded from Gresham, Oregon. That joke's going to get really old really fast, so... Um, I won't use it for some time now. I like I like the abbreviation MOA, Men of Athens MOA. Should we get some uh, hats with that on there? Well, it's kind of like DOA. DOA. Oh, it's the first thing okay. that comes to mind. Never mind. Never mind. Bad analogy. Yeah, the Men of Athens podcast. So a couple of quick things here to talk about. Oh, you're starting early today. All right. Anyway, um, so you can subscribe on iTunes. We're up to, we're over 100 subscribers. That means we have this massive audience out there that is listening, literally hanging on our every word. How do you know those aren't like, uh, what are they called? Bots. Bots and trolls? Uh, don't. Troll bots? No. Now, the way the subscription process works, I don't think that's how it, how it works. I do have my, my friend uh, up in Alberta, Canada, who listens to our podcast shout out to joel hey joel um does joel own like seven i devices and he's subscribed on all of them? no but he uh apparently waits with bated breath for our every episode that comes out he says he really likes it so i appreciate thanks that. joel yes bated breath bated breath that was articulate and beautiful thank you thank you very much you can subscribe on itunes unfortunately uh because we switch platforms with the podcast you can't subscribe on google play anymore uh, we switched over to a service called Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm. Uh, you can, of course, if you've got an Android device, you can download the Anchor.fm app. It's free, and subscribe to our podcast on there. Or you can find us online, MenOfAthens.com. And also, we've got a new segment today. Today, you're getting two for one um, on this podcast. So this is like the official podcast. This is the official episode that we're going to be talking about today, but we have a new segment that we just decided we needed to come up with called Off the Cuff. So it's M-O-A-O-T-C, or how did you call it? Moatk. Moatk. Moatka. Whatever. M-O-A-O-T-C are going to be... I think they'd be Motk. Motk? Yeah. Okay. That sounds a little bit difficult to say, but we'll go with it for now. Maybe we'll come up with a different, you know... We should come up with something Something a little bit cooler. We could put that on a shirt or a hat, M-O-A-T-C. People we should would... turn it into like a, our own gang sign with our hands. Have you, do you, have you ever seen my Calvinist gang sign? <laughs> no. Like that? It's, it, it, since this is audio, nobody else can see it, but you take two fingers. Okay. And then you, you point to one of your lips, so it's two lip. <laughs> <laughs> So, so all, oh, just imagine all you people out there in Radio Land. That's that was the, a bad dad Christian joke. But it's real. Look, it's like if you walk, if you walk past somebody and you go like like this, you do, turn the head. And, and just most go, people would think you're just wiping down. something off your lip. 
rather yeah. than knowing. Well, I'm not wiping. I'm holding it up there. Yeah. So they would think I'm probably an idiot or a weirdo, which I am. There is there's that possibility. There is that possibility, distinct possibility. With bated breath, they would wonder, <laughs> something wrong with this guy. Have you never heard that expression, with no, bated breath? No, I don't think so. You've never heard that. Mm-mm. You grew up in California. I did. So that, that that's probably why. It probably is. Yeah. You guys haven't heard a lot of things down there. Yeah, so stick around. Uh, check the uh, feed or the website for the second episode today, the Men of Athens Off the Cuff uh, off the cup, cuff, off the cup, off the cuff episodes are episodes in which uh, normally I would say what happens is we turn on the mic uh, and we start the recording expecting to jump into our official podcast episode, but uh, we get sidetracked, which happens quite easily, would you say, Dave? That uh, I'm not even listening to you. What? <laughs> Yes, yeah, yes, it we, happens. So we end up just talking about some issues. So generally the off-the-cuff episodes are going to be... Um, yeah, we're talking. You and I sit down as we're getting ready to do a, a show. We'll just yeah. catch up and see how each other's doing. And sometimes conversations start, believe it or not. Right. And it has nothing to do with what we were planning on and talking sometimes about. sometimes you secretly hit the record button yes. when we're going through it. Yes. I start the record button because... Which is what it. happened... Which is what happened today. To the aforementioned Motk. Right, the Motk. So, second episode today. Uh, generally, the off-the-cuff episodes will be shorter, a little bit more lighthearted, but uh, still trying to stick with the overall mission of this podcast to make the unga- unknown God known to a very religious world. Uh, a lot of times, maybe looking at cultural issues. I think there was one episode one time where we just started talking about our famous, our favorite WWE. F wrestlers from back in the day or something like that. I don't know. We'll see what becomes of that episode at some point. Anywho. Will the listener ever know? <laughs> will the listener It will benefit know. their souls. <laughs> you're just not going to know what you're going to get. So we are in the midst of uh, what some people call Holy Week, um, the week before Easter. Easter, of course, one of the big two holidays, one of the holidays of the big two, Christmas and Easter, coming up this Sunday. A lot of people are going to be coming to church. A lot of people are going to be going to church that don't necessarily go on a regular basis uh, because it's the thing to do in the United States, North America. Um, But we're going to be talking specifically about the resurrection, asking the question today, why does the resurrection matter? Mm. Dave. So when you floated that topic... The uh, one of the first things that came to mind was First Corinthians, fifteen, and First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen is all about the resurrection. And um, so, just picking up in verse twelve, I'll just read a few brief verses. He says, "If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead?" But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. 
For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all of we are of all people the most to be pitied. So that statement right there, that passage in First Corinthians, the Apostle Paul um, hinges the entire Christian faith, the validity of the New Testament, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus did not raise from the grave, we are still dead in our trespasses and sins, and we should be pitied among all human beings because we're the fools who've been duped into thinking that Jesus was God in the flesh, died for our sins on the cross, rose from the grave, and is coming back for us. A literal resurrection. Literal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he didn't raise from the grave in my heart. He didn't raise from the grave uh, metaphorically. He didn't ascend to a higher plane of consciousness or whatever spin you want it. Here was a guy who was brutally treated and tortured, died an excruciating death. They invented the word excruciating to describe death by crucifixion. And then his body was rotting in the tomb, a corpse, three days dead. And then he got up. Mm. He rose from the grave. So he wasn't resuscitated. He didn't fall into a lake and freeze and then get revived three days later. He was dead and rotting. And then God did uh, the miracle of all miracles where he took someone who was dead and resurrected them. Yeah. You know, before this episode, kind of in preparation for it, I was, was doing a little searching around on the internet. And you know everything on the internet's true. I mean, it has to be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but this, this does come from a reputable source. So it was a poll done by the BBC in um, the United Kingdom. And the, the results of the poll were, I'm summarizing this, but the results of the poll were that roughly 25% of professing Christians do not believe in a literal resurrection. And when you get in the United States and Canada, North America, you, you find um, a much higher percentage that do believe in the resurrection, but you still, in some of the more mainline progressive slash liberal denominations, uh, find a large percentage of people who actually don't believe in a a physical resurrection that Christ literally rose from the dead. Um, can a person be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection? That's a really good question. Um, I just turned real quickly in my Bible to Romans chapter 10. And... Uh, I'll pick up in verse 9, 10, and 11, a couple of verses here. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm -hmm. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him, Jesus, will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek or anybody. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified. 
then the previous verse he says um, that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's not that I'm wishfully thinking. Yeah. It's, it's a statement of faith that there was a moment in human history at a certain geographical location when a very specific human being died and rose. And I'm believing that. It's a yeah. literal, physical reality. And that's one of the things about the year-after-year year celebration of what is commonly called Resurrection, or commonly called Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. I actually prefer the, the name Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. That's a whole other picky subject of mine. But at any rate, okay, so every Lord's Day, every Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a, a reality that we live in. We gather together to celebrate as Christians to worship um, on the first day of the week that Christ has risen from the grave. The, the thing, though, that I do particularly like about Resurrection Sunday is that there is a marking of an actual historical event. Mm-hmm. So, you know, last Sunday when we met, Christ was no less risen on that day as he will be here coming up this coming Sunday um, when we have Resurrection Sunday. But it does, I think, highlight and stress the point that it was a real historical event. And I think one of the things that that kind of baffles me about reading some of those statistics about um, Christians in the United States, in Europe, Western Europe, not believing in a literal resurrection. Now, if, if you're an atheist or an agnostic, I get it. Okay, so if you say, I'm, I'm not really sure God exists, um, then I can understand not believing in a literal resurrection, at least from that perspective. But if you believe in the divine, if you believe in the miraculous, I don't understand why someone would have such a hard time like they'll say, well, I do believe in God. I believe in, in, in the existence of God. I believe in miracles. I believe in those things, but I don't believe in the resurrection. It's like, what? <laughs> Was it any harder? <laughs> Would it be any more difficult for God to raise Christ from the dead uh, than for him to do anything else that he's done that is miraculous mm-hmm. and, and, and great? Um, I don't get it, but of course, you know, I, I believe in the resurrection. So, but You, you know, it's a little... It's a little simplistic but it's true nonetheless yeah that first verses of the bible in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth if you believe that then there's no reason to disbelieve anything else that said god is limited by nothing other than that to which he limits himself Mm -hmm. right so i mean he can do what he wants but you know we're talking about the literal nature of it going back to first corinthians 15 uh, it's a chapter I love. He begins by opening, saying, I would remind you, brothers. So he's talking to Christians. He's got the church in mind. I would, remi- would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. So he's preaching the gospel to Christians, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Okay, so he goes on, just real quick. He says, I, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So right there, death and resurrection. That's, that's the heart of the gospel. Yeah. If you lose either of those two elements, you lose the salvific, the saving power of the gospel. But here's, here's why I'm reading this. Verse 5 says, And then he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, 
then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom were still alive at the time of writing, though some have fallen asleep. That means died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. And, and then he goes on to talk a little autobiographical statements. But what's striking is the bulk of those verses is just listing he appeared to these people and to mm-hmm. these people and to these people. And when the apostle notes that, yeah, 500 at once, probably more than that, um, many of whom are still alive. The idea is, hey, Corinthian church who's receiving this letter, if you disbelieve the resurrection, there's historical proof. There are eyewitnesses, and that eyewitness testimony is powerful. Right? In our own judicial system, we use eyewitness testimony to lend great credence to affirm or deny someone's guilt. So here's a multitude of eyewitnesses, uh, all different types of people who've claimed to have witnessed the resurrected Christ. And it's as if he's saying, go ask him. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have that access 2,000 years later to go talk to those people. But the mere fact that it's recorded in Scripture, uh, our faith is the only um, historically verifiable faith where you can go and um, dig around and you won't find his DNA or bones anywhere. Yeah. No, no bone box, no ossuary is going to be found where it actually, oh, we have found the bones of Jesus. Yeah. Like I think that was like two years ago they said something. And- in, in the sheer nature of the eyewitnesses account, it, I, I seriously doubt that a skeptic is going to listen to this podcast and come away um, believing in the resurrection if they don't believe it. Uh, one thing I would really recommend if, if someone happens to be a skeptic and is listening to this out here, uh, recently listened to Tim Keller's book, Making Sense of God. I, I like a lot of audiobooks, um, have an Audible subscription. Maybe they'll become a sponsor one day. Who knows? But Making Sense of God um, was just a, a very, very well-written book for the skeptic that's out there. And he does a fantastic job of, of looking at the world's philosophies, working, looking at the different belief systems are out there, that are out there, and, and really showing how um, Christianity is in compared to those beliefs, that if you say, I am an unbeliever, well, it's not that you're an unbeliever, you're believing in something else. And you have a, a creed, you have a set of, of beliefs that you hold to, and a reason for which you hold to those beliefs that also includes a level of faith to believe those. So without giving the whole book away, that's, that's a taste of the beginning. And then as he examines Christianity then in light of those different belief systems, he talks uh, significantly about the issue of the resurrection. And I would, I would highly commend that to any honest skeptic out there who says, you know, I don't believe it, but I want to get a fair treatment of the subject, uh, Making Sense of God by Tim Keller. You know, that's a good one. His first maybe volume in that, it's not a series, but The Reason for God, which came mm-hmm. out about a decade ago, um, that also, I just com- commend both those. Yeah. Someone who's interested in investigating the claims of Christ. Um, two other books real quick. One, one simple one written at a popular level, you can read it real quick, is Josh McDowell's More Than a Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes through what's commonly called the trilemma um, and actually, I think nowadays we would say there's a quadlemma. In other words, here's the figure of Christ, 
there are only four possible options for this Jesus who walks across the pages of the Bible. He is the Lord, right? He's God in the flesh who's come to redeem his people. He's a liar. He's a lunatic or he's a legend. Yeah. Right? His follow sneaky Christians snuck into the Bible, changed the ancient manuscripts and invented these fairy tales about him. Um, that's uh, easily dismissible. And it's interesting to just do a, a um, a, a thought um, a thought problem to think through the ramifications. Okay. Um, okay, we're talking about a resurrection. That is utterly fantastic mm-hmm. in every sense of the word. One, that it's real. Uh, we believe it by faith, but we, we believe it uh, in, with an intelligent faith and a reasoned faith, right? This isn't a blind faith. There's actually, you can work through this and think, okay, um, the the uh, religious leaders during the day, there was a reason they killed Jesus. They didn't like him. They didn't like what he was saying or claiming, and they didn't like his following. So because of those things, they 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 put him to death. Well, they when they tried to stomp out that fire, the spark spread, and then Christianity exploded. So if the disciples are walking around talking about, we've seen the risen Lord Christ um, and repent and believe in him, believe what God's word says, they could have walked over to the tomb where they had the Roman guards, rolled back the stone, and produced his body. Yeah. They didn't do that. Uh, the Romans, who ultimately ended up persecuting Christians, could have done, done the same thing, and they didn't. They tried to circulate a rumor that the Christians stole his body, but then how did these Christians overpower all the Roman guards and move the stone? And then, So if they did steal the body, let's entertain that, that option, which I don't think is an option, but it's an option. Then the question becomes... Here are these people who are actually walking around facing the most intense persecution. They are, they are uh, ejected and rejected from their culture. They're ostracized from their families. They, they're in, a, they're in a, uh, an Eastern culture that's going to be a little bit, that's going to be more um, shame honor based. So they're shamed, they're shunned, they're removed out of their families. Uh, they are considered the lowest of low. They're betraying their entire religious system, so they're being told. And then many of them were persecuted, imprisoned, beaten. And then even the disciples of Jesus, um, if, if history and legend is accurate, John's boiled in oil mm-hmm. but doesn't die and is cast to an island. The apostle Paul is beheaded. Peter is crucified up, upside down. I mean, uh, others of them. So you think about the excruciating uh, death these people went through. Yeah. And to the man and to the woman, none of them broke and said, okay, okay, just kidding. We stole his body. He's buried in the olive orchard. I'll go show you where his bones are. Uh, Husbands and wives in love with each other, willing to die and be separated for a lie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Husbands and wives or mothers and fathers being willing to be separated from their children, even their children dying for a lie that's just incredulous i just do not think any sane person would die for a lie all of those people hundreds of people so then the other option is the lunatic Uh, so if jesus was a liar he was as c.s lewis would say he was a devil right he was saying these glorious truths that were actually ugly lies okay a lunatic he actually believed he was god and he walked around teaching the things that he did but one could an insane person 
um, a- any reading of the gospel accounts and of God's word. Could, it, could an insane person actually hold that much coherence um, and gather a crowd? Possibly. I mean, we, we've had insane people um, gather crowds before in the history of nations. But here, going back to the resurrection, it all hinges upon where was the body. Right. It was either stolen by somebody and no one produced it, no one wanted to produce it. And the power of the changed lives, to me, while at the end of the day it's still an issue of faith, I believe that um, the scales tip, the witnesses take the stand, the the jury goes out to evaluate the evidence, and I think that, that to quote a Josh McDowell book, the evidence that demands a verdict is Jesus rose from the grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just remarkable. You know, there's a, a that very uh, popular quote by C.S. Lewis. I'm actually uh, looking it up right now. Um, yeah. Um, well, you know, it reminds me of that because I think ob- obviously it sounds like I've actually never read that book by uh, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. It's so, good. Yeah, it's good. definitely have to uh, investigate that. But um, it it reminds me a lot of what Lewis says when he says. I'm trying to. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus, that I'm ready to accept him as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Mm. And and in that That's quote, good. you know, it's carried in there. Yeah, you 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 are faced with this uh, choice. Mm-hmm. You you don't say, "Why well, I, I see Jesus as a great moral teacher," which many people say. Yeah, from other religions, unbelievers, mm-hmm. even Jesus doesn't leave that option open to us. Yeah. Um, and one of the things he said was he was going to rise again mm-hmm. from the dead. Mm-hmm. So you either have to reject him as a lunatic, or you have to accept that he was the Son of God, and that what he said was true, and one of those things was he was going to rise from the dead. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the miracle. I mean, that's, that's what's so miraculous yeah. about this, that death has been overcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in, you know, even in Paul's day, people were having a lot of trouble swallowing this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, you know, the name of this podcast is Men of Athens. Paul was, Acts chapter 17, making his defense before uh, the Areopagus, uh, he had gone around, he had viewed the idols in the city, had been grieved by them when given the opportunity. He he proclaimed to them the unknown God. Um, and at the end of his discourse, he talks about the resurrection of the dead. Acts chapter 17, what does it say? When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. Um, so even in Paul's day, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of bringing up that a man physically came back from the dead mm-hmm. was bizarre, mm-hmm. was was loony mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's changed since right. that time. It's still yeah. <laughs> in people's minds. You know, what's amazing, um, 
so now, not just assuming, so our, our assumption is the resurrection is, is um, I don't know, can we say logically valid, philosophically valid? I mean, I, I find those arguments convincing. There's mm-hmm. more to be said. One other, one other book to check out that I actually have never read, but it's always the number one book for people wanting to explore the resurrection is um, N.T. Writes the resurrection of the Son of God. Uh, there's a lot of his work that I don't agree with, but this book is the magnum opus. It is the one that you go to to, to read about so the resurrection. So re- you're recommending it with scruples, as the, the, the wording goes. Yes. Do you know what the word scruples means? No. <laughs> okay. with, I'm from California. With re- you don't know them Mississippi words, do you, boy? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, but so here's yeah. here's what's amazing is, so now having that foundation, the the implications of what took place on that Sunday morning, right? So so when he rose from the grave, his resurrection vindicated and validated all that he said and did. Yeah. So yeah, he walked on water. Yeah, he uh, cast out demons, and he raised the dead. But something happened on that Sunday that was qualitatively and even quantitatively different from even the dead that he rose during his ministry. Because when Jesus rose from the grave, um, he, okay, I'm going to say a big word, eschatology. Mm-hmm. Okay, eschatology is a um, it's a word that's taken just from our Bibles, from the original language, from the Greek, from the word eschatos or mm-hmm. eschaton. And it just means last things. It gets cha- translated as end times. So when, when uh, at a popular level, when you say end times, people rightly think about the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. It's about the end times. Um, but they tend to very have very narrow perspective on what that means, that it is exclusively what's going to happen at the end of days and when Christ comes back. There's a whole complex of things that there's debate about what takes place, but everyone agrees Jesus is coming back. Praise the Lord. Here's the thing. Just a careful reading back of the Old Testament and then even the New and in the Gospels, there was always this promise of the last day or the days when a new age was coming, a new era. Um, and in this new era, there, it, it, well, it began with Christ's resurrection. So, so eschatology, or the end times, when Jesus rose from the grave, um, ushered in a period in human history unlike any other, where any person who is now born again or in Christ, and we too await the promise of our resurrection, we're still now even considered a new creation in Christ. Mm. And because of Jesus' resurrection, he's the first fruits, right? So the tree produces multiple crops. He's the first crop, and now we're all the later crops that come in season. But his resurrection is so significant that it has ushered in this new age, not in the new age spiritual spirituality, secular sense, but but really a new era of human existence where um, that future of a new heavens and new earth 
and living in glory has actually already begun, mm. but it hasn't been completed. So, so people will say it's already Already. started but not yet complete or they call it inaugurated eschatology yeah it began the end times has begun so his resurrection is so significant that we are we are um well i'm reading lord of the rings to my kids Mm. and love the story and so last night we were reading about there's um a, a an elf uh rescued one of the heroes in the story. Spoiler alert here. Yeah, okay. I mean, if you haven't read it, what, it came out like in the 60s. <laughs> you haven't you have read it the yet, movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's movies too, BTW. That's by the way, if you don't know what that means. Oh, okay. Um, there's there's this elf, and, and the elves are immortal. They were created by the god of the story, and they're, they're, they're good creatures, but they simultaneously live in the seen and unseen world. Mm-hmm. And so this one, this hobbit, Frodo, he's been injured and he is uh, slowly passing into the unseen world and he's in mortal danger to, to become a slave of the bad guys. And his eyes are open to get a glimpse simultaneously of the seen and the unseen. And in this unseen world, when he sees the elf, the elf is just this beautiful, glorified, shining, perfectly good being that is scaring away the darkness and the bad guys are running away in terror. Uh, and 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 that that fantasy story, it's just a, a is a cool picture of because of Jesus's resurrection, he's in his glorified body. He ascended into heaven in his glorified body, and Jesus is in heaven right now, seated on the throne room of the universe in a glorified body. But here we are in this in between awkwardness. Yeah. And and I when I was reading that in the story, I thought that's that's kind of an interesting picture to think about how. We're already that glorified being, but not yet. Not yet, yeah. Mm-hmm. I and went off there a little bit. No, I I, I like it because uh, I I asked a guy one time. <laughs> this is you know, but you know how big of a science nerd I am. I'm into the sci-fi. You yes, yes. I'm major. As a matter of fact, if we had the video camera on right now, people could see you wearing a lab coat. <laughs> I asked a guy one time, another another believer. Do you believe in intelligent extraterrestrial life? Extraterrestrial life? He said no. And I said, then you don't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> he said, <laughs> I caught him in that you one. You did. Would I angels did. qualify as that as well? Um, well, it depends on how you define life. Okay. Uh, if, you're, if you're defining it as biological life, uh, right now there is indeed extraterrestrial, intelligent, biological life. I mean, Christ is raised from the dead. There is a real human being in the heavens out there uh, in the throne room. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so just so no one misunderstands what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> I'm not talking Jesus, about... Jesus is not E.T. <laughs> no, he's not. And he's extraterrestrial, meaning that he's left the earth. He's left the earth. Uh-huh. But he will... But he was not an alien who came... No, he was not. Earth. No, 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 okay. no. Okay. Let's, let's just... No, 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 no. I, it's a funny way of asking. The, it, was, it was kind of one of those just kind of science nerd jokes, okay? So don't, don't worry. No, Jesus, I, was, I don't believe Jesus was extraterrestrial. I was waiting with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> to see what you were going to say there. No, I see. Yeah. It's it's not a, uh, uh, oh my goodness, who, I think that was actually a line from Star Trek or something like that where somebody said, have you ever read it in the original, Kling- read the Bible in the original Klingon or something? It's, I, of course I don't believe that nonsense. Okay. But um, yeah, not talking about that. It's it's a funny way that a science nerd would joke about saying, do you believe in the resurrection? Yeah, it's, yeah. Kind of, okay, 
You yeah. got you following me now? Yes. You with mostly. Me? Mostly. <laughs> I'm a couple steps behind you. I'm gonna have you, you I'm gonna have you over to to uh to, to watch star some sci fi sometime. I'm gonna Star Trek you. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> back to serious things here. Um you know going back to first Corinthians chapter fifteen, as we kind of wind this episode down here. Um I'm looking at these verses. It says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people, uh, we are of all people most to be pitied. And I think about the great, immense comfort. Mm that the resurrection has for us um, related to what you were just talking mm-hmm. about the already and the not yet um, our kids are still pretty young um, their encounter experience with uh, death personally has been minimal up to this point um, my wife's grandfather passed away uh, whom we called big big grandpa so Grandfather, grandpa is, is grandpa, is her dad. Uh, big grandpa is, was her grandfather. And um, it wasn't because he was a big man. It was just like we were trying to find a way for a little kid to, you know, talk about great-grandfather and that kind of stuff. But, you know, he passed away a couple years ago, about five years ago. And our kids were old enough to understand a little bit that he's gone. Uh, he's not with us anymore. Um, which, of course, was confusing and saddening at the same time, but because he was a believer, we're talking to our kid and saying, but he's going to come back to life one day. And then as they've gotten older, my daughter now is almost eight years old, um, you know, talking to her about death, she's heard about other people passing away who were, who were Christians and, and how it's something that if Jesus doesn't return uh, physically before, we, before our lives come to an end, that we too will pass away. And that's confusing and saddening at the same time but at the same time we were able to say but we won't stay dead forever Uh, because one day all of the people who are following christ and believe in him are going to come back to life physically and when they do they will have bodies that never get sick they'll never stub their toe they'll never have broken bones there'll never be car accidents and there, there won't be pneumonia and flu and cancer and all of these things. And it, it's just, you can see my, my daughter's face just change mm. when you begin to talk about that. That um, there's, going, there's something better that awaits and just the joy that that brings. And, and I think about ourselves as, as Christians, the joy, the hope that we have looking forward to that day of resurrection mm-hmm. uh, when... Christ comes, and the new heavens and the new earth are established, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's an it's a, it's an amazingly wonderful, comforting thought. And if that were not true, if that were not the reality, if Christ had not been risen from the dead, um, what Paul says here, we are of all people most to be pitied. I, it's it how miserable that would be if we had no hope of yeah. resurrection beyond this life. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's the operative word. For a Christian, the word hope is, is not synonymous with wish. Mm. Oh, I really wish that's going to happen. Hope is um, it's the, uh, it's the Christmas tree that has presents underneath it, and it has your name on it, but it's December 17th. So uh, you, your desire as a child, say, to open the present and to get it on Christmas Day is that the tension builds and you're so excited to get it. You're hoping in the gift, not because you're not going to get it, precisely because you're going to get it. You just can't get it yet. And I think that's what's important is like for, for us as Christians, I mean, his argument there is, man, if there actually isn't a resurrection, we should be pitied because we drank the Kool-Aid. Mm. We, we, are, we are having hope in something that we're going to have the biggest letdown. One thing we didn't do was define terms. Resurrection is the reunion of body and soul or body and spirit. Yeah. So, so uh, to nuance things, uh, if, if, uh, if a believer was to, to die in this moment, their body would uh, go into the grave or potentially be cremated, I suppose. But Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So their spirit goes to immediately be with the Lord. Right. And it's that day of resurrection that's coming in the future for, the, for actually all people. So believers and non-believers, everybody will be re- resurrected, but at different times. Uh, Revelation, as you're reading it, there's the, when, when, um, when people who've refused to believe the gospel, they get what's called the second resurrection. So Jesus was resurrected. His decaying body was was uh, I mean we, we believe you know, he had a glorified body when he rose he he could he walked he he could be touched he um, ate he was hungry he drank and yet he either walked through a wall or miraculously was transported through a wall however that worked he was able to uh, veil his appearance to not be recognized who he was and then mm-hmm. unveil himself it wasn't like a changing anything but his resurrection was the reunion of his soul and spirit, or excuse me, his, his spirit. I'm using soul and spirit interchangeably. Yeah. So his immaterial was reunited with the material part of his being, and then he went into heaven 40 days later. So what I was saying was just to clarify, because um, this comes up a lot, okay, so we die and we're separated from our body. What happens to our, our spirit? I believe Scripture teaches that if you're a believer, you immediately go mm-hmm. to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Whereas those who don't know Christ are ushered into a place called Gehenna or hell or Sheol, which is a place of, of judgment and punishment. Um, John 17 says that if we haven't believed the gospel, we're judged already. So, so there's a point in the future when Christians will be reunited with their bodies mm-hmm. and brought into... Uh, with new bodies. Yeah, yeah. Or new bodies, renewed bodies. I mean, yeah. the fun question is, I take my cues that... They knew it was Jesus because he looked like himself. Mm-hmm. I think that when he veiled himself and they couldn't recognize him, that there was a unique work of the Spirit taking place in that unique period of time. But when you and I are together in glory in our glorified bodies, we're we're. I'm going to know that this is Thomas. Yeah, your name will be Thomas, I think. 
And it's not like we are transformed into something different. I think we're going to be far more similar than dissimilar. Yeah. But like you said, no pain, sorrow, suffering, mourning for the former things that passed away, no more tears. We're, we're not being raised like zombies. We're not bones. And people who have you know, been cremated aren't going to be dusts floating in the air. It's, it's a physical, real renewed or new body, however you want to term that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, because I've heard people ask the question, what about Christians who have been cremated? What's going to happen with... Well, it, it, the same miracle that will restore your decayed body mm-hmm. if you were put in a casket and buried underground mm-hmm. is the same miracle that will take place if, for a person who was cremated. Yeah. Um, I mean, is it going to be the same atoms and molecules? I kind of think so, but maybe not. I mean, if you've decayed and uh, if someone died... 1700 years ago yeah i mean they're they're yeah they're 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 all over the place so um so however the lord's going to do that but if um so i think that that's important just thinking about that resurrection so what's amazing for us is this means that for the for the christian death no longer has the final say in fact at the end of days death um well john owen has a book the death of death in the death, of in the death of Christ. Yeah. Oh, I love those words. Yeah. The death of death and the death of Christ, and Jesus's resurrection, his crucifixion and resurrection, was the death sentence for death itself. So the Bible describes death being thrown into the lake of fire at the end of days at the great white throne judgment, and um, so that means that even if we die, our our immaterial being goes to be in the presence of the Lord. And um, how time transpires and all that stuff, I have no idea. Will it seem like a long time for us? I have no idea. But it's just, it's, it's amazing to think. So our hope then is, is in this resurrected Lord who is going to give us resurrected bodies and, mm. and, um, and finally save us. Not in the sense that we aren't saved now, but that that our our salvation has an uh, an endpoint called glorification mm. when we're in glory. Yeah. So that that hope is so significant. You know, this hope is so beautiful, and and we've talked on and off this episode as we wrap it up here about you know people who've been skeptical of the uh, the. Um, I forgot something. What? Oh, go ahead. Unbelievers are also rec- resurrected. Yeah. And they enter not into glory but into judgment in their physical bodies mm-hmm. for all eternity. So just just those two points. No, that, God, God created human beings. We are embodied souls. We are we are immaterial and material combined into one. That's what makes us. But um, 17 billion years from now, there'll be resurrected people in glory and resurrected people in judgment. In judgment, yeah. yeah. No, thanks for clarifying that. Um, and, and what I was going to say was that... Um, I, I listen to atheists sometimes, not because I want to necessarily glean their worldview, but I, again, want to know what they're thinking. And um, three three prominent ones that uh, come to mind as we've talked about this today: uh, Entertainer Pendulette, who um, is, is actually quite an intelligent, articulate guy. What's their name? Pendulette. You know, Penn and Teller. Have you ever oh, heard oh, that, oh, that okay. combo team? Okay. Uh, actor Ricky Gervais and Charles Templeton, and they have three things in common. Charles Templeton was um, a Christian evangelist that worked with Billy Graham turned atheist. Hmm. Um, so 
in all three of those cases, I'll give you an example. Um, Penn Gillette, uh, he does podcasts and, and video podcasts and stuff, talks about how he, will, he really wishes that the Bible was true. Hmm. He really wishes that Jesus was real and that he rose from the dead. Uh, Ricky Gervais, the same sentiment expressed, uh, paraphrasing, talking about, I wish it was true. I, I wish there was a God. I, I mean, that's how, his, that's how his hope and feelings are. He wishes that were true. And Charles Templeton um, interviewed years and years later after he had rejected the faith, walked away, uh, professed to be an atheist, and um, was asked by a reporter, you know, what, what do, you, do you miss anything about it? And he's like, I, I miss Jesus. Um, he had hmm. ceased to believe in Jesus, and of course, depending on your theological perspective, did he ever really believe in him in the first place? But at least in his mind, uh, even though he was a professing atheist, uh, still longed for that beautiful story of the Son of God coming back to life again mm. uh, and being our hope. Mm. Um, so we as Christians are not, <laughs> of all people, to be pitied. Yeah, um, amen. We have that hope. Um, so as we come to this Sunday, perhaps you're listening to this after Easter Sunday, hey, you don't have to stop the celebration. Every Sunday, uh, there's the gathering of God's people where we celebrate that Christ has risen from the dead. And so I encourage you, be encouraged with that. And uh, you got one more thing for us, Dave? You know what? This Easter Sunday, our church has the blessing of... Um, having a, a bunch of baptisms taking yeah, place. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And what's amazing is that picture of baptism, Romans 6, is just as Jesus died on the cross and went into the grave and rose to new life, mm -hmm. that Christian baptism, among other things, is that portrait of dying with Christ, going into the grave, um, dying with him, sins washed away, and then rising to new life. Not in a new glorified body yet, but, it, but that we're going to see... Those, Christ, those, those believers get immersed and when they rise that's a, that's a reminder to us spectating a resurrection is coming yeah and then my new brother and sister's resurrections are coming yeah. that's awesome I'm looking forward to that because oftentimes baptism Sundays that we have a lot of relatives and friends will show up that are yeah. not believers and a great opportunity to share the gospel with them You've been listening to the Men of Athens podcast. Thanks for joining us today. This episode has gone a little bit longer, but hey, we've been talking about the resurrection. They're getting their money's worth. They're getting their money's worth, which is nothing. <laughs> Dave, uh, thanks a lot for today. And uh, for Men of Athens podcast, I'm Thomas Lawson. I'm Dave Barry. And we want you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You've been listening to the Men of Athens podcast. If you have a question or comment that you would like us to address on a future episode, email us at questions at menofathens.com. 